Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 132, Titan versus Tesla. Hi, I'm Neil. Apple and Tesla share some similarities. Both companies have remarkably strong brands in the marketplace. They have loyal customer bases. More importantly, they have products capable of maintaining that loyalty. Both Apple and Tesla have visionary product leaders. Apple has Johnny Ive. Tesla has Elon Musk. So what a lot of people have been doing is looking at those similarities and then coming to the conclusion that Apple should acquire Tesla. A Tesla acquisition doesn't make sense for Apple. More importantly, Apple doesn't need to acquire Tesla to reach its transportation goals. However, Tesla does have something that Apple has a use for. Talent. In today's episode, we are going to talk about that dynamic of how Apple's Project Titan could benefit from poaching Tesla. We will begin by going over Project Titan. It's been a while since we've talked about Apple's interest in transportation. There have been changes, and I think it's worthwhile to go over those changes before we proceed into the discussion. Apple's ambition with Project Titan, which is a catch basin for the company's transportation R&D endeavors, continues to be underestimated. We have an increasing number of signs that points to Apple expanding Project Titan initiatives in recent months. Apple currently has the third largest test fleet of autonomous vehicles on the road in California. So far in 2018, the number of test vehicles has expanded from 27 to 66. There are reports that Apple is expanding its vehicle testing presence in Arizona, which has become the other hotbed of self-driving car research. Apple is reportedly working with Volkswagen on developing autonomous shuttles for Apple employees to go between campuses. This partnership includes Apple developing both hardware and software for these shuttles. And Apple recently hired two high-level auto industry executives, Jamie Wado from Waymo and Doug Field from Tesla. Both are engineers. Wado played a key role in the safety program. Waymo uses to test and develop its self-driving technology. Field was one of Tesla's most important engineers. He oversaw vehicle engineering and Model 3 production. Take those four updates and put them together. I think one word to describe Apple's Project Titan strategy is methodical. Apple appears to be gradually doing everything one would expect of a company that's establishing a large test fleet of autonomous vehicles on public roads. While Apple expands its initiatives tied to self-driving cars, the company's hardware ambitions and transportation remain intact. Apple appears to still own a web of buildings across the Santa Clara, San Jose area that's dedicated to heavy manufacturing. Apple reportedly controls some of the last remaining open space in the area. All you have to do is travel slightly northeast of San Jose International Airport. And there's just a lot of open land. <laughs> I did create a map of these various locations uh, that is available for Above Avalon members. 
So this is a company that wants to come up with new transportation solutions consisting of hardware, software, and services. That hasn't changed. When news of Project Titan's existence broke in early 2015, three and a half years ago, many people were skeptical because Apple had no expertise in the auto industry. Apple would be starting from scratch. This led a lot of people to think there's no way this is true. You saw a lot of people say that Apple must be really just interested with car play. That must be the strategy here. No. <laughs> I've been very adamant from the beginning. Apple is looking for hardware, software, and services solutions in transportation. And what was a departure from the iPhone development playbook, Apple looked outwardly for Titan's talent. Apple turned to the auto industry for hardware expertise. I created a list a couple years ago of select Titan members. It served as a wake-up call to skeptics. Apple was indeed working on a vehicle. However, in late 2015, Project Titan began to hit some speed bumps. Friction between designers and engineers intensified. In order to come up with a truly new user experience, Apple designers wanted to skip human-driven vehicles. They wanted to go straight to a self-driving car. By making that jump, you can do things that you can't do in a situation where a human is tasked with driving that car. Some people disagreed. Others argued the better strategy was to begin with an electric car. You can position autonomy as a future feature, maybe years down the road. So you had a clash of ideas. Maybe you can say a clash of philosophies. Not surprisingly, the designers won. Bob Mansfield, a hardware engineering guru, who I would say is arguably one of Apple's most successful liaisons between the design and engineering teams. Bob Mansfield is a Johnny Ive ally, by the way. He was brought in to write the Titan ship. The initiative was refocused. Apple was going to develop the core technologies that would one day power a variety of transportation hardware options. This refocus on autonomous driving led to some turnover in the hardware town, and this was reported by a few publications. Unfortunately, the message that seemed to get out was that Apple was no longer interested in hardware, that this was a company that was just going to focus on software. Maybe they'll just deal with auto manufacturers and give them software. No, no, no. <laughs> that is not Apple's long-term goal. Their long-term goal hasn't changed. Transportation solutions that consist of hardware, software, services. I took a fresh look at that list of select project employees that I created back in 2015. That list is available over at AboveAvalon.com in this week's article titled Poaching Tesla. And I went through those list of employees to see how many were still at Apple. At least 40% of the outside hires are no longer at Apple. This is based on LinkedIn updates. 
most of the departures took place between August 2016 and early 2017. That fits with the reported timeline of Bob Mansfield overseeing Titan changes. In addition to turning to outside auto hires, Apple ended up poaching itself. The company took veteran Apple product design managers off of other teams. There doesn't appear to be much turnover with those Titan additions. As of today, we have reports pegging the number of people working on some aspect of Project Titan to be between 2,000 and 2,500. I think it's fair to say Project Titan is a lot larger than consensus thought. What is the goal with Project Titan? So far, we've said that Apple wants to come up with transportation solutions that involve hardware, software, services. That's pretty broad. <laughs> what if we could get a little bit more detail? I think the best way to think about goals with Project Titan is to think about Apple's design-led culture. Apple's strength is found with taking existing product categories and using design to rethink our assumptions about that category. By rethinking how we use products, Apple is able to come up with products that can change the world. I think Apple wants to rethink the automobile. While items like electric powertrains, autonomy, and ride-sharing will help in Apple's efforts, something more is needed. Our fundamental assumption of what a car is and isn't is still in need of being reimagined. Without fresh thinking when it comes to design, we are still left with most of our prevailing assumptions about cars. This lack of fresh perspective in automobile design is one factor that I think is likely fueling the growing interest in bikes and scooters in high-density areas. The problem with automobile design goes beyond city centers, unfortunately. People are tired, frustrated, and bored with cars. We can look at the U.S. market. The dramatic shift to SUVs is driven by consumers caring less about the traditional car value metrics, such as performance. Consumers, instead, they're craving something new. They're craving personalization any form possible. Unfortunately, if you've gone car shopping recently, those personalization options are very limited, especially when it comes to thinking about the driver and passenger compartments. This is where we can start to talk about Tesla. Tesla did something extremely well. It developed electric cars that people actually wanted to drive. Let's be honest here. Before Tesla, electric cars were a joke. We now have other luxury car makers starting to talk about how they're going to compete with Tesla. I think a lot of that is more fantasy than reality. Here's the thing. It's not clear if Tesla is actually on the right path, given the car's changing value proposition. One way Tesla has been able to do so well in the luxury segment is by competing on old school value metrics like performance and style. Words like acceleration, 
phrases like driving experience. They're very closely tied with Tesla. The problem for Tesla is that these values won't matter in the future. Instead, the focus will shift to convenience and personalization. We see a lot of this change in terms of convenience with ride sharing, but personalization, we haven't seen anything in that department. Take a look at the iPhone. This is a device that relies on software to become a personalized computer for 900 million people. I think we are going to demand a similar personalized experience from automobiles. As it stands now, personalization, in terms of cars, amounts to things like CarPlay, moving the driver's seat back and forth a few inches, folding down a roll of back seats. I know firsthand of the nightmares found with children car seats, trying to take them in and out. It's a nightmare. There has to be a better way. Given Apple's interest in transportation and Tesla having the most popular, highest-rated car on the road, many have positioned Tesla as an Apple acquisition target. The thinking is, okay, if Apple is so interested in transportation, they can buy Tesla, it could give them a shot in the arm, and then they could go do what they want to do. Apple's strong balance sheet only adds fuel to the fire. Apple has $129 billion of net cash on the balance sheet. So that's taking gross cash and excluding all of the debt. Apple could pay $70 billion to acquire Tesla. Could they become a player in the auto space overnight? I guess you could say so. However, Tesla isn't a realistic acquisition target for Apple. More importantly, Apple doesn't need to acquire Tesla in order to meet its goals. The best way to understand why is to look at the key components of Apple's M&A philosophy. I think there are three things that are very important to consider when looking at a possible acquisition for Apple. The first is a strong brand and product aren't enough for an Apple acquisition. There has to be more to an acquisition target besides having a strong brand in the marketplace and having a very popular product. The second item, Apple doesn't use M&A to acquire revenue. This is not a company that looks at M&A as a way of turning around slowing revenue growth. The third item is Apple doesn't use M&A to acquire users. So Apple doesn't buy companies simply to try to expand its user base. This point has become much stronger in recent years as Apple's user base has grown. Apple currently has around 1 billion users. When you consider how the vast majority of those users comprise the premium segments of the smartphone and tablet markets, Apple has no need to acquire what ends up being its own users. I think that's a very important point when thinking about Apple M&A. In essence, Apple isn't interested in buying its way into new product categories. Instead, this is a company that positions M&A as a tool to either enhance its existing product line 
or plug holes in the product development process. M&A is used as a tool to supplement, not replace Apple's design-led product development process. So what does Apple use M&A for? Two things. Acquire technology and acquire talent. Apple looks at M&A as a tool for plugging holes in its asset base. Given how Apple is constantly working on new products, one hole is often the need for new technology. As Apple moves from one industry to another, the company is always on the lookout for teams of talent that help boost knowledge and expertise. I think it's fair to say that one area in which Apple is resource-constrained is talent. And that's very true when thinking about the transportation industry. Taking a look through Apple's acquisition history demonstrates these core M&A tenets. Acquisitions such as PA Semi, Authentech, Mateo, they're all about technology and talent. Even the acquisitions that included consumer-facing products like Beats, we could even look at things like Shazam. Those acquisitions were ultimately about the technology behind the products. Instead of going over an example that demonstrates how Apple uses M&A, I think it's more valuable to go over an example that demonstrates how Apple doesn't use M&A. Along those lines, we can look at Netflix. In a Netflix acquisition, the two primary things Apple would have bought are a strong brand and lots of users, neither of which is enough to justify an acquisition. Consider Apple users already have full access to Netflix. It's unclear how Apple owning Netflix would lead to an improvement in Apple products. But what about Netflix technology? I think using that as a justification for an acquisition is quite the stretch. Netflix is a media company. And even then, the company's content library is grossly overrated when you move beyond the 15 to 20 marquee series on the platform. Instead of spending $100 billion to acquire Netflix, Apple poached talent from the entertainment industry, and they began to build something on its own. The result is this new Apple Studios division overseen by former Sony Pictures television executives. We have Apple reportedly planning to launch its new Apple Video streaming subscription service sometime next year. Arguing that Apple should acquire Tesla because it has a great brand and popular product in the marketplace is faulty thinking. Tesla would need to provide resources that can either strengthen Apple's existing product line or plug holes in Apple's design-led product development process. Now, you have some people who say Tesla's fleet of human-driven cars is the company's secret weapon when you think about the race to a self-driving car because there's all this data that's flying around. I'm not so sure about that claim. Others say Tesla's charging network or factories represents the company's crown jewels. Again, both claims are questionable. Instead, those items could end up being viewed as liabilities. It's easy to see how a factory can be viewed as a liability. Just look at the way Apple embraced contract manufacturing nearly two decades ago. 
when it comes to a charging network for electric cars, we don't know how that item's value will change in the future. What if we're looking at self-driving cars that we don't own? A car has a 5% utilization rate. I have trouble seeing a world where we own these cars. Well, doesn't that impact the value found with a charging network, including their locations, how they're used? And again, we have to go back to the core question. By owning that charging network, does Apple now have a better chance of reaching its Titan goals? I don't think so. There is a Tesla asset that Apple may have an interest in. Talent. Given Apple's ambition, Project Titan can benefit from having employees with experience developing cars that people love. However, I don't think the way of doing that is to acquire Tesla and bring on tens of thousands of employees. That would be not a good thing. It would raise many red flags. A better strategy would include Apple selectively seeking out talent that would be the best fit for Titan. When selling prospective hires on the Titan message, Apple is ultimately selling two things, vision and process. With vision, Apple is explaining its mission to come up with products that can change the world. Now, new hires aren't necessarily given the full lay of the land when joining Titan. It's not like, okay, well, here exactly is what we're working on. No. You don't need that to telegraph your mission. The other item is process. Explaining the process that's in place for turning vision into reality. It's not that Apple has necessarily struggled appealing to new hires for Titan over the years. Instead, Tesla likely had the stronger message up to now. If we go back a few years, say to the early 2010s, Tesla was successful at picking off members of the Mac, iPod, iPhone, and iPad teams that were looking for the next big challenge, the next big thing. At the time, Apple's focus was on Apple Watch. That was a product that ultimately had a relatively small development team. Meanwhile, Project Titan was still a few years away. Doug Field, who we talked about briefly in the beginning of this episode, he was one of those employees who had an interest in the transportation space. He came from Segway. And he jumped at the Tesla opportunity. Again, Project Titan wasn't a thing when Doug Field left Apple to join Tesla. But right around 2014, 2015, Apple began ramping up Project Titan hiring. And the Apple versus Tesla talent wars began in earnest. And Tesla was much farther along than Titan. They already had cars on the road. However, something is changing. I think the environment here has changed. The past few months have been a tough stretch for Tesla. The company's long-term goal is to usher in the era of sustainable transport. To reach such a goal, Tesla needed to take a luxury detour. Tesla sold cars to those most willing to pay top dollar 
for a high-performance electric sports car. The problem is Tesla now finds itself having trouble getting back on track. A truly mass-market Model 3, it's missing in action. Tesla has become a case study of a company led by a product visionary struggling to turn vision into reality. There is clear evidence of Elon Musk consolidating power within Tesla. And I don't think that is necessarily for the better. It's one thing for a product visionary to focus on details. It's different when that product visionary is being stretched too thin. Musk recently gave an interview to the New York Times, and he said he was the only person that can solve Tesla's manufacturing problems. I think that's extremely worrying. These challenges may give Apple a potential opening for poaching Tesla for talent. And if that opportunity arises, I think Apple should take it. After leadership changes and some shaky times, Project Titan is in a much more orderly state. Apple has a standing here now. They can make the case that it has a better process in place than Tesla. It's relatively easy to design a great car. The challenge is to build tens of millions of that car and then be able to do it again, developing new versions over time. Tesla's problem is ultimately its desire to do everything on its own. Some of that is due to Tesla being a first mover in some of these markets. The decisions are being made given the lack of alternatives. This situation has led to Tesla facing less flexibility and financial capacity. And I think this has opened the door for Apple in terms of appealing to Tesla employees. I think another factor to consider is that Apple's stance regarding data privacy and security could start to become a selling point for Project Titan. There is no question that data is going to become a crucial topic in the auto space. And we're not talking about collecting data for self-driving, but we're talking about what happens inside an automobile? What happens in that passenger compartment? You're going to have companies, auto manufacturers, ride-sharing companies, software companies, they're going to be collecting a lot of data on people. Where is that data going to go? How is that data going to be monetized? For some employees, a company's stance on those issues are going to matter. Tesla critics have been quick to point out the growing list of executive departures as a sign of major issues within Tesla. This morning, we had news of Tesla's chief accounting officer resigning after just four weeks on the job. That's pretty remarkable. You have Tesla's head of human resources also quitting. The turnover at Tesla does raise an eyebrow. There's no question about it. However, Doug Field's departure stands out. Field was Tesla's second highest ranked engineer. He was responsible for vehicle engineering and Model 3 production. When Tesla hired him from Apple in 2013, it was positioned as a huge win for Tesla. Field was previously Segway's chief technology officer, and he worked on Mac product design. So he had experience in both personal transport and shipping consumer products at scale. Field's job at Tesla was to turn Elon Musk's vision into reality. 
As recently as this past April, Musk viewed Field as one of the most talented engineering executives in the industry. Accordingly, I think it's very telling that Field ended up quitting Tesla to join Project Titan. And it's going to be very interesting to see if any of Field's deputies at Tesla make the same move. Such a defection would end up being a major coup for Titan. It would be a very big deal. When thinking about transportation's future, there will be a role for cars in the new paradigm. Two visionaries to keep an eye on are Elon Musk and Johnny Ive. Each is taking lessons learned from other industries with the goal of rethinking transportation. It's no surprise that Elon has thrown a few snide comments and jokes Johnny's way in recent years. Two of the more interesting things to watch in the auto space, design and manufacturing. Instead of asking questions about legacy autos software expertise, the more valuable question is to ask, who is that company's Johnny Ive? Today's auto manufacturers have teams of talented designers. However, the talent ends up being wasted. Upper management and boards mitigate design risk out of fear of losing sales. These companies need to embrace a design-led culture. I don't really think it's going to happen, though. Over at Tesla, a company that I think is geared more towards engineering than design, Musk and company are learning the harsh realities of auto manufacturing. Many of Tesla's decisions won't be repeated by others. Meanwhile, Apple's Project Titan is becoming a testbed of new technology that can be used to power new vehicle concepts from Apple's industrial design group. The most effective way to bring change to an industry is to question the assumptions underpinning that industry. This is another way of saying to add a little bit of chaos to the mix. Chaos is a good thing, as it gives opportunity to new thinking. I am convinced the auto industry is going to be facing quite a bit of chaos in the coming years. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you have an interest in the changing transportation landscape and Apple's potential role to play in that change or project time, I do talk about the topic pretty frequently in the above Avalon daily updates. These updates go over everything that I think matters in the world of Apple. Each daily update includes two to three stories and is about 2,000 words long. Additional topics covered in the daily updates include Apple business and strategy analysis. We go over my Apple earnings model, my financial estimates. I share my perspective and observations on current news events, Apple competitors, keynotes, and events. If it is of interest to Apple, it is something I pay attention to. The daily updates are the cornerstone of Above Avalon membership. Additional privileges and benefits found with membership include access to my Apple earnings model. There is a forum so you can talk with other Above Avalon members. There's also an archive so you can go back and read daily updates previously sent to members. And beginning this quarter, I will be publishing something that I'm calling reports. These are going to be in-depth examinations into Apple's business strategy. Each report will cover one topic. 
For more information on Above Avalon membership and the full list of privileges and benefits, head on over to AboveAvalon.com and then go to the membership page. There are two membership options. It's either $20 per month or $200 per year. Above Avalon is fully sustained by memberships. So if you are already a member, thank you. And if you're thinking about becoming a member, thank you in advance. If you enjoy the weekly Above Avalon articles and podcasts, you will appreciate the value found in becoming a member. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later.